Welcome to Content Disrupted, Bold Takes on Brand Marketing. I'm your host, Casey Noble, and together we'll explore what it takes to excel in brand marketing at one of the most exciting and disruptive times in industry history. Hey guys, welcome to Content Disrupted, Bold Takes on Brand Marketing. Joining us today is Terrence T.W. Wiggins. He's the current director of global marketing for Cook Medical's vascular division, and he has over two decades of experience marketing in the life sciences and med tech. Terrence has led the marketing and product management strategies for brands like Integra, Stryker, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and fun fact for you, TW, I should say, is an avid golf player and started out his career as a marketing intern, actually, for the PGA Tour. Um, we were just talking about that. So, TW, welcome to the show. Casey, appreciate it. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here. This is exciting. Honestly, it's our pleasure to have you on. So I know we're going to get a little meta here and we're going to talk about Cook's move into podcasting. But first, I would love if folks can just get a little insight into your background. So I know you have a degree in journalism. You have an MBA. What ultimately drove you into marketing? My origin story really started, you know, born and raised in South Jersey, went to school at Ryder, Central Jersey, go Bronx. And then from there, you know, I had a journalism major, but I was really interested in communication and really connecting with individuals, both on a professional and a personal level. My first real job out of school was at Bristol Myers, and I was actually in their marketing excellence department. And this was 20 years ago. The folks and the leaders at Bristol Myers, what they wanted to do is they wanted to take all their best marketers and put them in the room to teach other marketers how do they launch? How do they measure performance within marketing? How do they figure out what are the great marketing tactical items to own a spot in the customer's mind. And I got to tell you, like I said, I was 21, 22 years old, just sitting there soaking it all up, right? Just being in the midst of these great leaders talking amongst each other. And I got to understand really the entire marketing excellence channel, forecasting, strategy, branding, customer experience. To fast forward, Basically, I left Bristol-Myers. I decided to own a product with a small company called SBI that was eventually acquired by Stryker. Got to understand you know, how to drive a product line, how to really drive with our sales, develop subject matter experts, KOLs. That obviously drove me to leave orthopedics. I went into Integra for a little bit, launched some products there. And then for the past decade, I was with Turmoil Interventional System. It was a Japanese-based endovascular company and great experience, great opportunity really to just grow up with Terumo. Now, I know I just went through my entire career history, but I'm right now as the global marketing director for Cook Medical, the vascular division. Cook has been founded since 1963. We invent, manufacture, deliver unique portfolio of medical devices to the healthcare systems of the world. Thousands of medical devices, disposable needles to catheters. We have 10,000 employees based in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm so proud to be working for this company. That was solid. I love that. So that center of excellence model that you mentioned, what an amazing sort of first experience to come in and just be standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. That kind of exposure is really gold. And I'm curious if that's something that you have carried through with your team. Like, do you make sure that you have opportunities there for folks to really just talk and share best practices? I've been with Cook for a little under two years now. And part of that first opportunity is we were going through some restructuring, trying to figure out what is our traditional product marketing team does. And that's really around that storytelling and really looking at the overall strategy of the different specialties that we have, as well as we had a cool market development team that is really looking at the executional pieces, right? How do we take those stories and drive that down? And so to be honest with you, very quickly, the aha moment for me was that was what I learned, like I said, 20 years ago 
at Bristol Myers, right? And through in that marketing excellence, it's really around trying to understand the overall business opportunity, where to play, how to win, right? What are the things that you're going to do and the different channels? I know we're going to talk about podcasts a little bit later on, right? That's a channel. And then ultimately, how do you measure success? How do you know you're successful or sometimes you're not successful? Okay, let's try a different opportunity. Let's try a different execution or a different strategy. Are we measuring up or are we failing forward is what I like to say. And like I said, a lot of that, like I said, I learned 20 years ago and I've just evolved it into my own strategy, my own personal values, assumptions, belief, and expectations and deliver that with a team that supports me and obviously supports Cook. All right. So before we dive into how you're marketing at Cook specifically, I would love to hear from you as someone who started out in biopharmaceuticals and has now spent like a lot of time in medical devices. What are some of the key things that you've seen change in healthcare marketing and what your target audience is looking for? Like, what's the most important thing you find for your target audience today? The most important thing and the theme of that is this industry is a lot different than, say, for example, electronics or consumables, or if you work for like Target or if you had like an iPad, right? There are different things on what's going to drive you to go to that store or pick up that electronic versus the other. Really, I think it's more about how do we make the customer feel? We can always find a better gadget or a better store, but is there a feeling you get when you pick up and you have the latest and greatest iPhone with all of the extra pixels and all of that mumbo jumbo, or you're shopping at a Target versus H&M. So it's around the, how you feel. So think about that for a second and then translate that into healthcare marketing, right? Healthcare marketing, at the end of the day, it's all about helping patients. It's all about generating less complications, making sure there's an economic advantage or a cost advantage to be able to provide affordable healthcare, right, through our devices, and the opportunity making sure that you're fixing the problem, solving the problem, right? There's just not a repeat procedure. With physicians that are using healthcare devices, whether it's pharmaceuticals or med devices, right, it's the opportunity to make sure that they have the best tools available to them to do their job, right? And it's that feeling that they are using the number one tools. They know what goes wrong if things go wrong and things do go wrong, right? How do they sort of navigate that? How do they troubleshoot that? And understanding that they have the right support. And that's a big opportunity. Think about when you go to the Genius Bar, if your Apple iPhone breaks or something like that, you know there's going to be somebody there to help you and walk you through that. Same thing from healthcare, right? From a med device standpoint, there is going to be a good clinical or a good sales rep that's going to be there to walk you through that and help you get back on track, whether it's in the lab, outside the lab, et cetera, and service, you know, other opportunities. So when I think of healthcare, that theme is having that good support, having a great product line that's going to provide greater patient outcomes for our physicians. Okay. So you've highlighted something really important there, I think, which is making sure that marketing has that dual focus sort of on the customer. And especially in the case of B2B, your customer's customer, right? Like, you know your customer's most important thing is their customer, the patients. So you have to think through that life cycle and then be their best support for serving their customer the best way possible. And that is what I think really gives our marketing purpose when we have this mindset that content is serving to position your brand as the compass that's really helping customers navigate all of the uncomfortable things and the challenges that they have to deal with in serving their customers depending on their practice type. So I wanted to talk about the podcast and how it's helping you do that. So tell me a little bit about its inception. Why did you decide to invest energy into a podcast series? 
So Casey, you know, when I think about podcasting, there's not a lot of free time we all have in our day to day, right? But there is that time, whether you're driving to the grocery store or you're either working and you're in between WebExes or you're in between meetings and you have some extra time while you're trying to listen to something. I think podcast does fit that white space, right? Some folks enjoy quiet. Some folks enjoy, you know, like me, classical jazz, or maybe they like being on the phone talking to others if they're trying to get between point A to point B. A lot of people going back to work or being in their car do listen to a lot of podcasts. Think about Apple. Apple has sprung all the different podcasts you can choose from. You can choose from cold cases. You can choose from how to do things. You can choose cooking classes. So when I really looked at the opportunity is I said, okay, with podcasts, and this is not the first time Cook has done podcasts. We've done podcasts in Booth, the Annual Society of Interventional Radiologists. But I said, how can we leverage that while we have physicians talk about product lines that they use every day? And not only just the product, but the procedural options, their algorithms, what works, what doesn't work, right? What are they experiencing? What are some of their unmet needs? And think about all the wonderful people that can listen to it. It can be other physicians. It can be industry folks like myself, right? It could be product managers, engineers, R&D. I'm not a doctor, but Dr. Wiggins said on the Back Table podcast, right? This is a great opportunity. Let's understand this a little bit more. Okay. So if you can take us behind the scenes a little bit, how have you been approaching the development of content and sort of identifying the topics that are important to talk about in particular. Can you give us some insight into how you're handling that process? Yeah, you know, some of the challenges, again, we're medical device, we're regulated, right? It's not like we can say this catheter is the best thing since sliced bread, nor we would ever market that way. That sounds ridiculous, right? But you got to think about the claims, right? And how you position a product to make sure you are staying on claim, you are staying within the regulatory boundaries, right? You're promoting fair in your balance. So all those different things, and we have a process at Cook that we walk through to make sure all those checks and balances are there. So therefore we can deliver a clear value proposition to the product or the suite of products to our physicians. So it's really just making sure we engage key stakeholders, be mindful of how we're promoting our products and devices, And then, like I said, making sure we have the right folks to keep us honest, right? Keep us honest within the field. Okay. Now, you mentioned something earlier that you found very important in your career, which I think is really important here, especially in B2B right now, which is expertise and tapping into that subject matter expertise. So like those core centers of knowledge in your organization or in the community that you're fostering as a brand. And I'm curious how that has played into your podcast strategy. And do you have any best practices for tapping into subject matter experts that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, I love that. So the way I look at it is creating that deep sense of partnership with the physician community. To me, it's something that's very, very valuable. If you don't listen to your physician community or your customers, you won't be able to understand, you know, where there are synergies, right? You won't be able to understand where there's win-wins that you need to be able to connect someone is going to pay attention to your customer or your physician. If it's not your company, it's going to be another, right? And so the opportunity to have that customer intimacy to really understand and then driving it back to what can we do to help the physician community? Do we have the right tools? Do we have the right resources to be able to own a spot in that specific customer's mind? And how do we do that? It takes time to be able to do that. And that's sometimes a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Explaining those expectations. You can write sort of what you think is a need on a paper at a dinner 
conversation? And then do you think you're going to have that by tomorrow morning? No, right? There is a process to go through. And is it scalable, right? Is that need a need that's going to fit not only just a specific geography, but a specific market as well? And I think having KOLs, subject matter experts, physician partnerships, it's a partnership, right? It has to understand where they're coming from and what they need, and then also be able to, like I said, align resources to support that idea and making sure it's definitely aligned to where we want to be when we grow up and what that business strategy is going to be over time as well, right? So it's a juggling act, but we cannot grow without those relationships and without understanding our physician customers. Yeah. And I think that you've made an important point about making sure that what you're talking about is scalable and essentially evergreen for the brand, because these folks do not have a lot of time to spend helping to support messaging and marketing necessarily. So we always have to be thinking about how we can make a partnership as easy as possible for them and really make sure that their contributions count almost in an outsized way that they can be a multiplier, if anything. So with that said, can you share some specific examples of ways that you've created platforms for your SMEs or some tips and tricks for making it really easy and appealing for them to partner with marketing? I'll give you two examples. One, more on a long-term scale and how that's benefit the physician community. And then one on a short term that you need to sort of keep your eye on and make sure you're developing. Listen, when you go to medical conferences, there's great physician symposiums and great learning, great information there. This is the more on the short term, right? Try to understand who's going to be there. Who are the folks that are on the podium that you want to get in front of? Maybe do a meet and greet introduction. Hi, I'm Terrence from Cook. I'm going to sit down and talk about your treatment algorithm for this procedure. And I think physicians do want to teach and we want to learn, right? So I think that's a good match right there where you can just exchange information and then see where the conversation goes, right? Maybe it's around medical education and training, right? We talked about the opportunity for them to train. So you got to figure out, again, is it a good partnership, right, between the business and that physician or group of physicians? That is number one. Do you think there's going to be a long-term opportunity. The second part of that is, you know, I've got a deep core network of physicians that I work with, and it's basically on just maybe turning from a meet and greet at a medical conference or being in their lab through an introduction to a sales team member. And then, like I said, you're continuing to work with them over time. A great quick story, and a company I worked for, we had developed a catheter that wasn't necessarily meeting its expectations post-launch. It was failing. There were some complaints. And then what should we do about this as a company, right? We're looking at the complaint history. We're looking at simulated use testing, vessel model testing, et cetera, et cetera. And because we had developed a relationship with a group of physicians, I invited them to an animal lab and to use this product in an animal type setting to understand where are the barriers, where are the challenges. And part of that conversation, one of the key physicians I work with, he had said, by the way, I think your problem is A, B, and C to the engineers. And if you were to modify or change this, I think you would have greater outcomes, right? And so they did the work, obviously went back to the FDA, got the clearance, relaunched the product line, and the product line itself did very extremely well. To me, the benefit wasn't because of the sales and obviously the awareness of the product line. It was around how many patients were impacted because of that animal lab now we have a great solution for those patients, right? Thousands and thousands of our patients are being taken care of because of that change, because of that aha moment 
at an animal lab. So that gives you two opportunities. Like I said, short term, you got to start somewhere and then long term, right? Absolutely. And I love that you just called out an example that some marketers might be a little cagey about sharing. I think that's awesome and an important reminder of the fact that marketers are really the stewards of the customer relationship. Therefore, we need to be the experts in the customer and you need to be thinking about developing direct relationships with your customers. That means talking to customers like you're doing directly rather than always sort of relying on third-party research and expecting sales to be the folks always at the front lines with the customers only. I love that you've clearly made that a priority to be front and center with customers and hear directly the voice of the customer. And then also it's a big task of ours, I think, to figure out how to take the gold nuggets there and inject that into things that are critical to our marketing and in your case, product development strategy, right? But going back to the podcast, so I know you mentioned that this foray with Backtable is not your first or only time investing in a podcast. So based on your experience, what do you view as the key ingredients for success? What do you think makes a great B2B podcast for your brand? Yeah. So I think, Casey, to that point, you got to pick topics that you think are going to draw people in. I'll give you a very clear example where our first podcast was about endovascular access. You know, it's the starting point to gain access to the artery, to the vein, to, you know, the treatment area. You need to start with access. And I don't want to use the word access as a commodity. I think my product managers and my marketing team will kill me if I say that. However, it is the most beneficial piece before you put in a stent graft, before you put in an embolization coil, before you go and put in all the different materials, right? And so really understand what is going to be the draw to a topic that is very commonplace. And I think by understanding the twist on it, understanding the draw on it, we have a great physician that's actually delivering that podcast and how he explains the intricacies and the delicacies of access is important as well. You know, Cook was founded on a Cook Wire Sheath company with daughter Bill Cook, right? Leader of interventional radiology. And that's where it all really started and then obviously branched out into other therapies beyond that. And so I guess to answer your question, right, you can take a commonplace topic, putting a spin, drawing audience in. You can always take a topic that you know will be on the emerging pieces, right? That is a hot topic. And where you can pick that out is by going to, like I said, some of these medical conferences, whether it's Society of Acid Surgeons or SIR or AMP, you're going to hear and you can bring topics as well. I think it's all around the topics and the presenters, right? You got to have somebody that you want to listen to that's not going to be monotonous and I'm going to go to sleep, right? You need to have somebody that's going to draw you in, keep you engaged and have a hook, right? What is the hook? I think all of our podcasts do start with a nice hook. And then you're like, I want to listen more. Tell me more about that. So I think, again, topics, presenters, having a hook are the three key recipes for success in podcasting. Casey, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the topic angles are key and there are so many podcasts out there and listeners are dealing with just a massive amount of choice, right? So it's okay to be overlapping with other podcasts and other brands, but you know, I think it's really important that we telegraph to our listeners up front that they're going to get value out of this. So thinking about how you do that is really critical. And how do you remain focused on the areas where your brand has specific expertise and a POV to bring to the table? You know, where do you have a right to play and not trying to play everywhere? 
even if it falls into like the sort of uber topic category. I think answering those questions is key in podcast topic angles or just marketing in general. And then, you know, having fantastic guests, having the voices of people that people want to listen to. You know, we like to focus on people like you who have a differentiated point of view or her tackling something really complex in a new, innovative way in the industry. And I think that that's really key. Having high quality guests who can share knowledge and really have interesting insights to share in the first place. I'll just share what I learned. I'm not high quality at all. Well, I think that that's the goal, right? Like people who are willing to share and be real, that's gold. Everyone is after authenticity. I mean, as marketers, we love to share, right? And in any industry or category, people are hungry to learn from each other. Right now, I think it was, you know, the latest Edelman study, and this has been sort of recurrent in their trust research year over year. You know, people trust businesses more than the government or the media. And right now they trust peers more than business. So how do we orient our content thinking like a peer? How do we orient our content around helping and building off of each other's expertise and successes and keep the practice that our customers are focused on and that we're focused on supporting moving forward? I think those are the challenges that make it super exciting to be in our roles right now, right? So there's a lot to unpack there, but I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about buy-in, right? So when we're experimenting with new channels, maybe, you know, to support a new campaign or to launch a new series on a new channel, we can encounter friction. And you're obviously in an industry with heavy regulations where I can imagine internally there's a lot of oversight over everything that you're doing and what's being done and what the brand is sort of putting its name on. So how did you approach the process of selling in this series of podcasts for the brand? You know, selling the podcast is just, again, looking at different channels. When you have different levers you can pull, there's traditional print advertising, which we do. We have our sales force, which is promoting a lot of different of our therapies. There's that word of mouth, which is always so cool, right? See it and believe it. Monkey see, monkey do, right? And that's important. But again, when you look at podcasts itself, listen, Cook is not the first company to advertise in that channel through Bagtable. I mean, we definitely won't be the last. What we're trying to do as an organization and our strategy, our marketing strategy, is to provide some awareness and do it through a verbal, right? Versus reading a print ad or getting something that maybe you're on a certain site and it pops up and say, use this, right? Having physicians that are used to our product line and used to our procedural solutions, right? And talk out loud can hopefully change hearts and minds of maybe I thought this product was here and not a great opportunity, maybe not a great solution. Oh, hearing this physician talk about, maybe it is. Maybe I need to try it. Let me call my local rep to have it in service and then go through it. So again, I look at it as just being more versatile in your marketing efforts, right? If you only advertise in one marketing channel, you're only going to see the results from that channel. If you want different results, you got to do things differently. And so we decided as a marketing organization to promote in this channel to look at the results. I mean, Backtable has a great physician network. It has a nice opportunity to report back what our metrics are. And that's important to me. Are we successful or do we need to change it, right? And so we'll be looking at measuring that and determining do we continue on or look at other opportunities as well. So you just keyed into something I think is so critical right now that we hear a lot of marketers talking about at the senior level, which is the need for diversification and being willing to take those risks. I mean, the media mix that we're looking at today has gotten more complex, there's no doubt. And customers, you know, whether they're physicians or whether they're everyday consumers, 
their expectations of the customer experience have leveled up really, you know, across the board. And we've been seeing this for a while now. And so you have to be where they are. You have to be present with information in multiple formats so it's accessible and as user-friendly as possible. And I think it's great that you mentioned the fact that even if what you're doing is working, if you want more results and you want to grow, you have to be able to shake it up a little bit and willing to do that. And it's okay to experiment, you know, seize those opportunities and open the aperture a little bit more. You also said, you know, ding, 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 measurement. So I want to talk about ROI on that note. And how are you thinking about measuring success? What's the goal framework that you've set up and what are the metrics that you're going to be looking at to determine whether this experiment was successful or not? Yep. And that's the secret sauce, right? The opportunity is I want to get as many ears plugged into our podcast as much as possible. And then getting that talking, hey, did you listen to the Cook Medical Backtable podcast? Did you hear the most recent one on Access? Did you hear about the one that we did on Aortic, right? Creating that buzz. And then also, I think social media is a nice tool. At Cook, we've done a really good job, Cook Vascular, around really promoting our opportunities of what we do through meeting and events online, through, like I said, the podcast that we did at SIR online and other digital opportunities as well. As far as metrics, we haven't yet sort of went down that path. So the metrics are still trying to figure it out, right? We're working with the management team at Backtable and say, okay, well, what is good? I always want to know where it's good. What I really want to know is where it's great. Right. And so if I have a good metrics, and I don't know the metrics itself yet, I get to dig a little deeper into it and say, okay, just to give you an example, if it's a thousand listeners, okay, that's good compared to some other podcasts. Then I go, okay, I want 1200, you know, listens or 1200 views or 1500 views. So it's really trying to figure out where the baseline is. And we're working through that. Right. We do have some great metrics, great analytic tools to get there. And then on ultimately, how do we go from good to best in class, right? How do we go from good? So therefore, the next Cook Medical podcast comes on, you're like salivating for it. You're like, I need to listen to that. That's going to be awesome. Or the next marketing initiative we throw out, you want to cue into it. That's how we sort of create that gathering and really, like I said, drive in to the metric. So I guess I gave you the methodology, not necessarily the answer, but we do have a methodology and it's ultimately, where's the bar? Okay, let's go above that bar. That's the opportunity. Okay, yep. So a lot on establishing the right benchmarks, first and foremost, and that's going to be that key piece of measurement framework to go up against. And I would love to hear how you're thinking about building on what's working as well. So how do we get to 1,200, let's say? How are you thinking about you know, distribution and getting this in front of folks to help ensure that you get the best results out of the gate? Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways. When I look at word of mouth promotion through our sales channel, we have a robust, fantastic crew of direct sales individuals that can, you know, be there in the field. Hey, did you hear about this back table? I can see the link, right? We have back table to advertise on as well. And they have a whole bunch of suite of tools that we can use. We have a wonderful agency team in-house that can help us with promoting. We have social media, like I mentioned earlier, through paid or organic approaches as well. We have medical conferences, right? That would it be cool if you go to the, in our industry, Veef and Viva is coming up in the US where you now are listening to the back table in the background, right? As you're sort of looking at the suite of products and interacting with our sales individuals as well. So those are just a number of different ways that we can do to make sure that we continue to get more listeners, right? Cued in on it. The nice thing about podcasts, and Casey, I'm sure you would agree, is once you record it, it's done, it's there, right? You can get a lot of legs out of it over time, right? I'm still listening to podcasts 
that were recorded through Wondery like four or five years ago that I did. It's new to me. It's like brand fresh and new. And then I'll call my buddy and say, my God, did you hear about this podcast? He's like, yeah, bud, where were you? I'm on season two already and you're starting season one, right? So listen, I think, like I said, you can get a lot of lace. It could be new to that person. So I think it gives that new flavor of the month. You just got to figure out who hasn't tried that flavor yet. So, so important to keep in mind how people discover content in different ways and different times and that we really need to account for that and capitalize it, I think, up front. And you mentioned repurposing, right, which is so critical. It's easy to lose sight of the fact that you can take a poor piece of content and adapt it for use in different, maybe non-traditional places, like even if it's in-person events, like you mentioned, where you can introduce it as another medium because people love immersion and they love to choose their own path and their own means of engagement. So give them options, right? Just using the audio content of a podcast as an example, you know, now with generative AI used properly, we're helping our own clients repurpose that into written content, into video content, into other visual formats. Repurposing assets has sort of been part of Marketing 101 for a while now, but doing this strategically with the customer experience in mind and using AI to help with getting that content scaled and ensuring speed to market, that creates major new possibilities for repurposing and for content marketing overall and what you can accomplish with less, right? So I would love to hear, you mentioned testing out this channel. Are there other mediums or channels that you're thinking about testing out next or, you know, in addition? I think it's fair to say, listen, if I had unlimited dollars and cents and budget, I want to say I would be all over the place, but I would definitely expand a lot more and experiment a lot more and pilot a lot more. There's other podcasts that are out there that I'm interested in possibly looking at. There's, you know, video content, right? I think YouTube and Vmedi are some good opportunities as well. But we need to make sure, like I said, I don't have an unlimited budget. I wish I did, but I need to sort of pilot and experiment. And then maybe, like I said, tip our virtual toe in another water and see where that goes. Ultimately, I want to market and I want to advertise where my physician customers are, right? I can spend a lot of money on this specific channel, but if I'm not capturing the right hearts and minds, that's a failure, right? So we need to work with our business analytics team to understand where our customers are going and then be on those platforms to meet them where they are. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you a slightly controversial question here, but for a lot of complex industries like healthcare, print media and sort of traditional media is still really prevalent. There are trade magazines, for instance, that still get leveraged by buyers. So are there any things that you're seeing or you're asking of those print media partners as they expand maybe their digital offerings also? Are you seeing them expand in certain ways or do you have different expectations now when you're negotiating your investments with them? Yeah, you know, it's all about, and again, goes over to return on investment. Show me your subscriber base. Here's a little secret. I learned a lot of what my competitors are doing and understanding where they are and trying to understand what not to do, what's working. I have a lot of industry folks in the friends, they're competitors, but they're friends too. I ask a lot of questions and to say, hey, you've done this before. Did that work for you? And they'll be very frank with you. They'll say, oh, no, this didn't work for, and here's why. And if I would recommend, I would do this. So I would say when you look at traditional print media, it's around that subscriber, understand that reach, understand what metrics do they have to support, right? I have a wonderful, fantastic team, and they're always bringing great, fresh ideas. And my job is to ask questions and making sure they understand it's not just throw spaghetti in the wall and do. It's around how do you define success 
And how do you know you're meeting success, right? And that goes back to, like I said, traditional print media and also digital campaigns quite a bit as well. So you always have to balance that out and ask those questions. Awesome. I so appreciate you sharing your wisdom and some insight into the behind the scenes at Cook. And I want you to let folks know, if you can, where they can discover the Cook podcast series. Wherever you get your podcast, right, you can look up Backtable and connect to the Cook Medical version of the podcast as well. So it'll be out there. It's going to be on the line in the ether, right? Feel free to grab and enjoy and let me know any good feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. Like I said, it's where we're trying to set the bar and then go beyond the bar. Awesome. So if I can steal you now for just another couple minutes, we have our own sort of version of the Actors Studio question set. This is our speed round. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And then you just give me the word or words that immediately come to mind when you hear those questions. All right. So first question, as a marketer, what keeps you up at night? Hitting our overall metrics and goals. Yes, makes sense. What keeps you going? My team. I can say forever about my team. I have a great team that supports what we do and the work we do. And that is primarily the number one driver motivation is my team, the team, the marketing team. Of it, sign of a great leader. What marketing term do you love? Double click. I know it sounds weird. And a lot of times I use the word, I was in some type of leadership forum and someone said, Terrence, I want to double click on that. And I've used it. It's a marketing lingo because why would you double click? What if you're using a Mac? Do you double click? But it gets people's attention. So in meetings, I say it all the time, which basically means piggyback with circle back. I go, can we double click on that for a second? It's weird, but it's mine and I love it. Yeah, I love that. We're in the digital age, you know, immediately people get the frame of reference. I like it. It's the new way to say it. So on the flip side, what marketing term do you hate? Optics. Ooh, optics. That's a good one. It kind of gives me chills. I had a group of leaders in a past life, past lives, right? And talked about optics. And every time I heard that, it was like, scringe, right? Do what you need to do. What's best for the organization? What's best for the departments? That's best for the people that you manage not optics. I push back so much. It just makes me want to optics. No, do what is right and you'll never go wrong. Okay. This one throws people sometimes, but what emoji best describes the current state of marketing? The little yellow guy with the hearts in the eyes. That's my emoji. I use a lot. I always see like, because again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to show people added value and, you know, gotta love it, right? Why would you not love it? It's exciting. All right. I love that we have now come full circle. Now you're the guy who's walking out of the building with a smile on his face, going to the car, and some kid's going to come up to you and be like, what do you do for a living? Because you look like you love it. And you're going to be able to say, you know, hey, I'm in marketing. It is. Listen, Casey, I love my job. I love the company I work for. I love the people I work with every day. I mean, I wake up pretty early. Those who know me knows what time I'm up sending emails and they go, this guy is crazy. But I am living my best work life now. And that's what really drives me. So I know it's not for everybody, but it's what I've always dreamed up to be, right? And so it can only get better than this, right? Absolutely. That's a great attitude to have. And on that note, as someone who's been very successful, obviously in a position where you love what you do, what's your key advice to up-and-coming marketers who want to be in your seat someday? This has been given to me. And I've given it to others throughout my career. I give them two rules. Know the business. Know the business well, right? There's been a lot of folks that will come up with a lot of elaborate phases on why they can't get things done or excuses. If you know the business, you'll figure out how to get things done. And you're going to add value not only to your team, 
but to your leadership team and to the organization. So know the business. It's your job, right? Do it well. And then the second part of that is know your stakeholders and know who are the people you need to interact with because sometimes it's out of your control. You can only control it to a certain point. Figure out who can help you get that job done. And you're going to do that by building great relationships and knowing the stakeholders and be able to navigate that. Awesome. Thank you again, TW, for joining us today. And hopefully we can have you back on and hear about the results after the fact. Discuss learnings and findings and what's next for you then, too. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do a sequel. I'll come back and I'll tell you the results. And so, Casey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate this opportunity. Thanks for listening to Content Disrupted, brought to you by Skyward. Stay up to date on the latest ideas and insights in brand building and content marketing by visiting our website at skyward.com. Join us for our next episode, where we'll continue to challenge marketing norms and inspire you with fresh strategies for growing business through brand storytelling. See you there.